We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Jari Boland. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Chris Troka, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Jari. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. Oh, yeah. No, my pleasure. My pleasure. You're the founder of Focused Biz. Been a serial entrepreneur. You've helped lots and lots of companies be successful. One of the things that you like, which I think is really cool, kind of out of my own heart, is a passion for tech and tools to automate things. Most people, as most people know, I used to be an engineer and then I went to the dark side of marketing because no. you know, that's what it feels like sometimes. A lot of Why would you do something so silly like that? It's like, I don't know. I write okay and it's not that hard. You know what I mean. Exactly. So, but we're going to talk all about that because there's a lot of really cool stuff that you're doing. But as I always like to say, my first question, I'm a boring guy. Tell us how you got to do what you're doing today. Absolutely. So in the past 15 years of work, I've worked at a lot of different industries in different positions, that nine to five lifestyle. And I just really did not enjoy it. It seemed like the yearly raises were merely just a cost of living raise. And I really couldn't move up the corporate ladder without getting some sort of degree. And even if I performed the job responsibilities, again, I feel like I'm spinning my wheels. So throughout my past 10 years of experience, I decided to, how do I make something of myself? How do I utilize my skills and experiences to benefit myself and help others? So Nine years ago, I started a DJ business to supplement my full-time income at a healthcare company, which was a lot of fun and I learned a lot. But again, I just needed some side income because at the end of the year, I only had $600 left in my bank account. And I thought, man, I have to change something in order to bring in some more revenue. So it started with a DJ service as a side hustle. I started building and growing my team. Today, we are an award-winning wedding DJ and photo booth company. We have won the Best of Weddings Award from the Knot five years in a row, which puts us into the Hall of Fame. Over 85 five-star reviews for our service. We have a great team of DJs now that serve Southeastern Wisconsin. And as an entrepreneur, I realized how much I did not know already. So I really had to scrape YouTube and books in order to learn what it takes to be good at sales, at marketing. And I ended up loving marketing so much, I went back to school to earn my marketing degree. 
So now after building my own business, I've been helping others to start and grow their own business. And a lot of that comes into the technology and tools that we can utilize just to make their lives e easier, save time in admin work, scale, grow. That's what it's all about. Wow. Yeah. That's really cool. So a DJ business, not bad. Yeah, absolutely. Basically for weddings, is that kind of how it, weddings and parties? Yeah, absolutely. So originally I, I, I told myself I would never, ever do a wedding. It seems so scary. <laughs> There's a lot of pressure. There's a, a lot of pressure for the DJ. A the lot wedding. of pressure. Absolutely. Yeah. So I started with birth, birthdays, anniversary parties, and just earned a little bit of side income. And then I realized weddings is where the money is at. And once I got over that fear and I did a couple of weddings, I said, wow, my customer service, my experience with organization can really be helpful and take me to that next level. So now today, after saying that I would never, ever do a wedding, we specialize only in weddings. We don't really mess with any other service now. And oh. it's been a great learning experience. Cool. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's a seasonal gig, but like it'll be good money if you can get it. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's allowed me a lot of more time and financial freedom. freedom. I'm finding that I'm earning double or triple what I would have earned from any other position that I've worked in the past. Hmm. So that's something that we're, our end goal is as a lot of entrepreneurs, we're trying to get the time and financial freedom. And once I got that to a point where I was only spending, you know, an hour or two a day after automating and making things a lot more efficient, I realized I have a lot of free time and a lot of knowledge and skills that can help other entrepreneurs with their business too. Yeah. Is that how focused is came together team about. yeah absolutely it was originally it was our shift during covid when we went from oh oh i the pivot yeah <laughs> it's a total the pivot as oh, business owners Holy. there's always some sort of pivot we're oh always constantly God. learning so even, man you're right I, I didn't even realize that oh my gosh that must have been catastrophic it was it was crazy we were looking going from 2019 into 2020 just like man the momentum's finally here we are booking up every single weekend we were so busy for 2020 and then suddenly COVID happened. So we went from about 70 gigs down to 20 gigs. And I realized I really need to pivot here. What's something that business owners need right now that shouldn't go away is gonna be marketing. And I was just finishing up my marketing degree and I thought this is gonna be a perfect time to pivot. And luckily business did come back for the DJ service from 21 and 22. It just record breaking years, year after year. But throughout that time, I still had some free time during the week. So we helped salon owners, we helped private consultants start and grow their business, whether it's website conversion, optimization, SEO work, some graphic design, just kind of the foundational pieces that are essential to communicating your offer, what it is you're doing in order to convert the lead into a sale that, hey, this is a great time to pivot. We're going to do both businesses. And then once we started getting in touch with different technology and tools, realized how helpful that they could be, that we got together with a team of developers to create and improve this 14-in-1 business app that really utilizes AI and automation to just, again, make a better business. So I guess what, for myself, I started out improving what I was doing with the DJ service. I realized, okay, what, what sort of content, logs, forms, landing pages, what can I make better and just automate from here? So I'm not doing all this busy work, this admin work. So I created my own quote building tool that's now public so people can pre-qualify themselves online. And then I made my contract public. I realized people wanted a copy of the contract. And then I'd spend 15, 20 minutes putting this custom proposal together. And I said, 
why am I doing that? Let's just make these terms and conditions public for people and let them go through the funnel themselves. So now literally that has become the automation within email marketing that now people are booking themselves online. I'm spending less time in admin work and I'm bringing those same principles to other businesses now. Again, just leveraging tools and technology. Interesting. So it's basically, huh. so so what do you, who do you specialize in? Like what, what What's the ideal customer profile for, for Focus Biz? Is it just anyone? Is it more brick and mortar? I mean, I can imagine that it could be a pretty wide, wide enough of customers. Absolutely. So we are still figuring out who it is that we work best with because we want to help everyone. Again, the, the business app is suited for most solopreneurs, small and medium-sized businesses that have a team. And just us as a marketing service, we really want to help as many people as we can. So for us, brick and mortar locations are going to be great for our SEO service. That's really essential. Business app is going to be solo, small to medium entrepreneurs. But again, we're just trying to find what industry we're going to provide the most value for. And then from there, I think we'll find, you know, kind of break down the niche and the sub niche and specialize within an industry. And so you said you mentioned a little bit before that you is this something you created together? Or are you pulling tools, you know, from other places? Is it more just like workflow? Because I mean, the one thing that in marketing, as you know, is there's like 10,000 marketing. I mean, it's Absolutely. it's ridiculous. And even worse now is with all this AI stuff. So now all of them have got mm -hmm. some, the best, the greatest AI. And it just, it's literally overwhelming. Mm -hmm. I mean, I do this for a living. So I'm supposed to know all these things. So I'm like, I can't keep up with this. Like, just someone tell me what to do. So I'm just curious, did, was this uh, just an integration of different tools? Do you like build your own? I, I've looked a little bit at your site. It's kind of an interesting, you know, take on it. I really love the styling and how, how it looks, but. Just curious that. because I, I know a lot of people that have this from. Yes. <laughs> that's, why, yes. that's why I have a job. Exactly. Absolutely. So it is kind of like a hybrid of tools. So we came across a team of developers that were trying to create this new all-in-one system. At the time, it was a six-in-one software. And they were looking for business owners to put this through the ringer and actually use it, see what we need to improve, what do business owners need the most. And then it became this 14-in-one tool. So we are working alongside a development team to help improve the software. It is a mix of its proprietary, but also it brings in a few other already existing tools and services that just mesh well. So a lot of the features that many entrepreneurs are using six, seven, nine different services for are now consolidated into one tool. So replacing Calendly, we have our own native calendar booking app. We have an AI chatbot that you can you actually train it on your website, you train it in minutes, you give it some prompts, books, PDFs, whatever you want it to learn. And it can now answer customer and lead questions from your website and collect their lead information, which is really, really helpful for your speed to lead. Because I'm sure you know, when, when a customer is searching for a solution to their problem, they're going to research your website. And sometimes they don't want to go through all the pages of content to find the answer. What if they could go to this chatbot that has that information consolidated and can answer it in a conversational way. Totally. Uh, again, those are just two of the tools. Then it's, yeah. then it's the CRM and automation workflows. I think this is one of the more advanced automation workflow builders that I've seen. I think it kind of surpasses what even a lot of tools that we're familiar with go high level. We are looking to become a replacement for Zapier. 
which is really cool because again, we're trying to use a bunch of tools and make them talk to each other. I think that's what it's all about, improving your workflow and your processes. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't need Zapier anymore, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's Zapier for all it's good is a pain in the, in the you know what. I, I looked mm-hmm. in this one called make.com. I'm sure you heard of make.com, yeah. which, which is way better than Zapier, to be honest. But again, very advanced. You have to know what you're doing. Huge amount of workflow, but Boy, mm-hmm. you can. I think it's because there are so many different tools and things that you have to do, and just being able to automate a workflow, even with existing tools of putting the stitching the stuff together. Mm-hmm. But this whole like Martech, biz dev, biz ops, rev ops mm-hmm. stack, for lack of a better word. I mean, with AI and with all these other things, like why why wouldn't this be automated? You know? Right. Absolutely. That is. I, I think that's a pain point for a lot of people, and. That was something I experienced firsthand as an employee at a lot of other places that I was employed at is that they would, I would go into a new job. They would teach me the new system. I have this ability to kind of pick up on different software and CRM really quickly and see the entire workflow and the process of what's happening. And I realized how wildly inefficient everything was, or they lacked a lot of the digital advancements that you would think would be standard in, you know, a bigger company. So I realized I'm kind of like one of those productively lazy sort of guys. Like I do not want to put in more effort than is required, or at least not in the the wrong places. And I realize yeah, yeah. a lot yeah, of this is busy work. Yeah, what yeah. am I doing? Like yeah, this yeah, is yeah. so inefficient. Well, you you've got the engineer mindset, and when I every every engineer is lazy. What do you I mean? They work so hard. But no, no. We're, since I'm a former engineer, I can say this: we are all lazy. We will automate. We will spend. If something was manually done and takes you four hours. We'll spend eight hours automating it because it's such a pain in the ass. You just can't bring yourself to be like, there's got to be a better way to do this because you're lazy. And and, and people yes. don't understand that. It's like, you know, I always say that salespeople are lazy too. They're like, what do you mean they work so hard? I go, I know, but look, they take the path of least resistance. Like it's their job to sell it. If you and marketing don't give them the tools and the, the air cover and all the things that they knew to go in and be like, get the deal. They are not going to sell your stupid stuff. They're just not because yes, they don't got time for that. Yes, absolutely. I agree. And it's, it's so refreshing to hear that from your experience engineering that, yes, we're trying to take the path of least resistance here. If one, one task takes four hours, but you can automate it in eight, consider how many more times you have to complete that process in the future. That is going to go way more smoothly now. Yeah. And you're saving a bunch of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny, the CEO of Databox, and I don't remember his name off the top of my head, great product, great, like they do a really good job of outreach and like, you know, he's really neat. His, you know, they're into automation clearly because what they do is they pull in all this data and give you dashboards and they have all these, all these data sources. And uh, he, he has a rule because, you know, he's in the automation business. Like my team will, he says, well, my team will come to me like, hey, we got to automate this thing. And he's like, do it 30 times first. Once you've done it 30 times, right? Then we'll automate. And I never thought of it that way. I thought, God, that's such an astute observation because there are just some things that you you think you need to automate, but you do them a couple times a year and you're like, "Eh, I really don't need to do it. But boy, this whole like, gosh, I'm running into this thing every day. Yes. Yes. That is so important is, is the frequency on what processes you need to automate because some things, quite frankly, just aren't worth automating just yet. It's, it's not something that you repeat often enough to make it worth your time that yeah. you really want to see, all right, it, it's kind of like the low-hanging fruit. You want to automate 
the things that are most important to your business, the ones that are going to save you the most time. I yeah. think that's what it's all about. Yeah. And, and I think the other thing that that's sort of hidden in that 30 rule, which is a great rule, it could be 30, 50, 20, or whatever, is you do not know what to automate until you've done it so many times where you're so frustrated where you're like, I've cut and pasted this thing 10 fucking times. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's, it's through that frustration yeah. that we're yeah, like, yeah. there has to be a better way. Totally, totally. And so I'm, I'm curious, you know, how, how long have you guys been doing this? Oh, sure. So originally I had started with the Pivot in 2020 and I got together with the development team that was in August of 2021. So we're coming up on two years now. Cool. So it's it's been a great, great learning experience to kind of see what goes into the development of an application mm -hmm. and what's involved. And throughout that process, again, it went from a six in one tool to a 14 in one tool. And I, I, I really fell in love with this development team, saw all the great work that they were putting out, all the improvements that they were making. And I've been using this software to run my DJ business for the last two years. So this software, I'm able to demonstrate proof of concept here. I'm able to show, okay, these are the processes that I automated. This is the time that it's saving me. The email marketing alone, I found with with my DJ clients and the leads that I was getting a lot of leads that weren't willing to pay my rates. So I needed to pre-qualify them better. And that's when I created that quote builder. And then I realized, okay, it takes them about three to four weeks to make a decision that experience they have within the buyer's journey. I automated that email marketing. I said, how do I provide some value and content become you know top of mind with more personalized touch points with this email marketing? If I actually had to manually send out those emails. One, I probably wouldn't be sending those out, but I'm converting more people now. And now they're a lot more pre-qualified. I'm spending a lot less time. So I created this email automation marketing campaign behind the lead form. And again, just trying to save time. Path least resistance here. Yeah. Well, I mean, and also I think it's, you know, it's, it's like the classic marketing problem. You know, marketing's job is to build brand awareness and generate qualified leads. That's in a nutshell, right? So we basically work for sales and people will mm -hmm. debate this. You should work with sales. And like, look, your job is to give leads to sales. So sales closes mm -hmm. it. Your customer is sales. If sales is pissed off at you, like that's on you, right? You could all you want, complain all you want. Every business works for sales, right? Mm -hmm. And I get all sorts of pushback on that. I'm like, whatever, like, like <laughs> your little snowflake, right? Honestly, I, I, I totally, I totally get that. And yeah, there has to be some sort of you know, coordination here between the sales and, mar and marketing because marketing needs to make sure that the messaging is on point so that way you're not improperly managing expectations. You're not setting them up for failure that, oh, your marketing messaging said you offered X, Y, or Z. Sales says, oh, we can't do that. Or actually, you know, that's a higher package. Again, you have to work together well enough. But again, once marketing does their job, pass them on to sales. Yeah. And it's on yeah. to sales in order to close them, right? Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, the most classic fight between <laughs> sales and marketing just hate each other, right? I mean, I think hates us. There's a it's funny right now during you know this downturn, a lot of mm -hmm. businesses like they don't really understand marketing, so they cut it. They're like, oh, well, what do these people really do? Like, we can't quantify it. And you know, performance marketing is an example, not getting the returns it used to. You know, ad spend is down. Ad spend's not as great. You know, like there's all these things. They're just confounding an already precarious situation as a marketer. Because I mean, if you know, full stop, like your your business is 
you know, makes its bones on how well it's marketed. Like the product mm -hmm. and stuff, that's democratized. Like most people can do a pretty good product. And frankly, some companies have crappy products and they still do well. Mm -hmm. It's because they've marketed them well. And to your point, sales is aligned. Sales can sell at the meet expectations. Like, so yeah, it's just funny. I mean, I think that's why from an engineering mind perspective, I'm so fascinated with it because it's like one of these nuts to crack that no one seems to want to crack or they don't know why the alchemy works, you know? Like right. Absolutely. And for us to try to communicate that to prospects and people we're trying to sell to, it's like, how do we demonstrate that value and show that it's bringing a return on investment if we can't really pinpoint it? If this is more conceptual, if this is, if, if we can't communicate that properly to them, how do we communicate that to their clients then? And it's just this revolving thing about trying to be creative, the communicated communication messaging, all of that gets wrapped together. But again, it's it's a nut that we're always trying to trying to figure out and crack. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've come to the conclusion that it's all about the story you tell. Mm -hmm. I really, I really firmly believe that the best story will I can't I mean, I would challenge someone to disprove that hypothesis because there's so many examples of subpar products that just, they win on story. That's it. It's just the a way it is. You know? Absolutely. And I've, I've seen, and I've seen multi-million dollar businesses that are still using pen and paper and don't have software systems. And they, they have this manual ledger book and it's like, wow, that's incredible. You were able to start, grow and scale to that point, even with the least efficient way possible. And it's incredible. And then it makes you think, okay, how much money are they leaving on the table because they're spending time doing this busy work and not letting automation or technology kind of lead the way for them. Yeah, yeah, I remember my ex-wife's parents owned a machine shop, like, mm -hmm. and yeah, they would do everything by hand until until I'm like, maybe we should set up like QuickBooks, just the simplest QuickBooks. Yes. And that was like a revelation. Like, I, wow, this is, we can print checks on the printer. And I'm all, yeah, we can do all that. And they're like, what? This is amazing. <laughs> Their mind is blown, but they don't know until they're educated. Well, and, 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 and I think it's also like the education part, but it's also, this is the way I've always done it. I'm comfortable yes. with it. So how do you get people to be more comfortable with automation, you know, and like, cause I sounds like, you know, the types of customers that probably be the most beneficial to you are sort of the small business brick and mortar, you know, kind of, I wouldn't say like what you are doing in your DJ business, but I mean, you understand the, and again, I'm, I'm just paraphrasing. I'm not, I don't think this is, I don't know the right word, but the relatively simple, straightforward product sales process, you know, how, how do you get people to be like more comfortable to give up the pen and paper? Right. Absolutely. So I, I think for that, it's really finding that pain point and demonstrating to them how many hours that they're spending doing something and that return on investment. So you show them, okay, if this process takes 30 minutes for you to complete and you do this 20, 30 times per month, you quantify that and show, okay, with your initial investment, you're actually going to show a return. You're going to save, save time and money once you hit the four month mark, the six month mark. And it's just kind of like you said, they have this revelation. They see the end result, the end product that they could achieve. And I think there's that light bulb moment that they realize, okay, maybe there's a better way to do this. Maybe the time that I'm saving doing this admin work can now be put towards big picture items. It can go to improving the client experience. It can go towards customer service. And one of the things that I don't know, a lot of people, you know, think and feel 
about AI and automation is how it's going to take over jobs. And that's something that we want to be mindful of as well, is that we're not trying to completely get rid of the workforce. But if we can use the current workforce that's available to your company and your team and just make them more efficient, let's keep them on the payroll. Let's keep them doing what they're doing, but let's help them do it better. Yeah, for sure. Generally, I think that's a wise idea. You know, I don't, I don't see, well, I mean, a lot of people think, okay, the world's going to end with AI. I just don't see that, to be honest. Right. I mean, I really don't because I, I just think it's another tool that's going to make you more productive. And, you know, mm -hmm. I went through the boom of personal computers. I went through the boom of the internet. This feels a lot like the internet where it's just a Wild West show. No one yes. can figure out what the heck's going on. Every other day, there's a new tool, a new capability. It's overwhelming. But in the, in the final analysis, I think what it's going to do is what you guys are trying to do, which is automate mundane things mm -hmm. and then accelerate the ability to do the strategic work and the thoughtful work and the thinking work that you don't have to like, you know, generate all this copy that you just don't want to do or you just, it's just easier. I mean, I've found that like to generate all these generative AI tools are really good for doing research and like, you know, understanding like the problem space, which I think is yes, really powerful. Absolutely. It gives you that foundation, kind of that, like you said, the background research that kind of create it it opens up and creates the time that you want and need to be more creative. Instead of taking hours to create this thousand word blog post or article based on a certain subject, let's see if you can give it some of the the talking points. It can elaborate from there and then you can kind of refine that messaging, what you want to communicate. And again, save time for the things that you enjoy doing. If you don't like doing the ad copy, if you don't like making the email templates, we should leverage that tool, ChatGPT and the AI, in order to kind of give us that foundation. And similar to the internet, is it going to make us smarter or is it going to make us a little bit dumber because we have access to the information and we're like, oh, the information's out there. I don't need to learn it myself. Or is it going to advance us a little bit further and open our eyes to all the time that we could save? It's you know, it's one of those weird, weird pieces of technology that requires that adaptation, the acceptance. And then where do we go from there with the AI, with the automation? Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good point. It's a really good point because my personal philosophy is that, and this is the reason why like startups are so cool, right? I, I went to a big company to learn how to do it the right way. So I could go to a startup to learn how to cut corn. <laughs> Brilliant. It's true. Like, you're inside ah, the belly really of the beast. Need to do that. You know? So I think you're right. I think you're actually right. I think, I think the point that I like about, I think it's, you know, are we going to get smarter? We're just going to get faster at doing mundane things. The people that are really going to get smarter and accelerate are the ones that are going to realize, oh, this opens up so much more creativity. And I don't now have to, the things that get in my way, I can now accelerate. So a friend of mine, yes. my friend Ravi always says that this, you know, AI thing is just like a super smart intern that needs to be directed correctly. Like I don't know what yes. the hell they're doing, but they're like an intern. <laughs> and, and I think that's true. I don't think it's the end of humanity. I don't think it's the end of knowledge workers because someone's got to drive the tool. Mm -hmm. It doesn't know what I'm thinking. Well, maybe not yet. It doesn't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't know the creativity. It doesn't even know what we're talking about. I mean, I'll run it through an AI tool to do all these things and we'll do some editing and some data, but like, it doesn't know it until we do it, until, until you and I talk about it. That's the only time in space and time where this exists, right? Yes, exactly. It's kind of very similar to any other piece of software. Like yeah. the, the foundation is there, but you have to direct and tell it what to do. 
in order for it to accomplish what you want done. It's not going to just start running on its own until you tell it how it runs on its own for you. Yeah. Yeah. What's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think about that way. It's, it's very, it's just so nascent, so new too. I mean, how are you guys using AI in your tool? You mentioned a little bit that you use AI with your yeah. one tool. What, what are some of the things that you're finding that it helps with? Yeah, absolutely. So the AI powered chatbot is powered is, is powered by chat gpt where again it's just kind of trains it trains it in minutes takes over on your website so this is going to be great for two potential use cases one is going to be the tech support customer service if you're able to train it on your help docs it actually saves 90 percent of the typical questions that tech support would get about how do i do this i'm trying to set up this how do i integrate that if you have your support docs available train our bot on it. It's going to answer the questions in a conversational way. And then from that's one use case, the second one is going to be lead capture and lead nurturing right from your website. So you have your website here. People are looking for answers to their questions here. And when they can find that information in one spot through your chat, your chat GPT powered AI bot, and it's going to collect and nurture the lead for you. Well, now you have increased your speed to lead and you are now the solution to the problem. What we find is that when a lot of people go to a website and they can't find the answers that they're looking for, or it's just, there's too much friction in order to get to the end result that they're hoping for, they're going to back out of your website and they're going to go to a competitor. So unless you can increase that speed to lead, answer their questions in advance, and then collect and nurture that lead, you're just leaving money on the table. They're going to go to a, a competitor until they find the solution to their problem. Yeah. Speed to lead. You mentioned that before. Yeah. So those are the the two ways that the AI powered chatbot is really just removing the friction in the buyer's journey. And then again, saving business owners time if they're a SaaS company or if they train their employees on certain health docs. Wouldn't it be cool to have a resource that, hey, how do I handle this situation? And you are pulling up past experiences and it's being answered in a conversational way, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I'm using ChatGPT right now to help me create a course, taking this course to create a course. That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. It's, it's like the marketer's guru to become a guru. And that's so. Yeah. Well, no, it's, it's funny because it takes sort of like my, all my expertise, you know, in, in storytelling, especially for the, the businesses mm -hmm. and, you know, transform it into a class like I can teach and record or whatever. But it's funny because the conversations that you have with it, it's a little freaky. <laughs> it is. It is. And it's it's scary. It's scary freaky, but in, in such a cool way. Again, like when things are really new to us, they're foreign. We don't know how are we going to use it. Like you said, it's the wild, wild west. We're just trying to figure out what, what we're doing, how we're going to use it. And I think for you, I think you're seeing that it can create a little more structure and add a little more foundational base to, hey, this is a topic I'm trying to cover. Can you reword this in a way that makes more sense, or it helps you refine your messaging a little bit. And I think the more that we can use those tools, I mean, consider Grammarly for the past five to 10 years. How much did that improve our messaging and our communication practices? I feel like ChatGPT is kind of similar to that. Yeah, what I've found that's been the most beneficial has been their research on what people are interested in. You know, I always tell the story about how, you know, I've written eight books. I got one coming out in September. And the last two books I did were these ebooks. They're part of the story driven series. You know, 
took me maybe a month or two to write them. Not, not a ton of time. You know, they're like mm -hmm. 90 pages. They're not very huge, but they sell the best. Really? Is it the shorter book content it's, or it's is that, it the subject? It's in, it's the subject. It's, it's what I ended up figuring out was write what people want to buy. And as a writer, that's hard to do because if you're an artist and because a lot of writers hate marketing, you're like, well, I don't want to write that. I want to write what I want to read. And you're like, no, no, you got to write what other people want to read. <laughs> yes. If you want it to sell, if you want it to get out there. Yeah. And a lot of creative professionals don't like to be told what to do or how to do it. They want that creative freedom because they still want to enjoy it. That's the creative aspect of, of writing or, you know, creative, creative pieces. So, so what were the subjects that your two best books? One was about how to do cold outreach, cold nice. story driven outreach. I think whoever outreached you to me, it was you or someone that you worked with, they obviously did a good job because I get dozens of those. <laughs> and I'm pretty brutal because I wrote a book on it. So I'm like, your game has got to be really high because I'm like, absolutely. And and same for us as as marketers, we get the same marketing messaging all the time, the, the cold outreach email, the, the LinkedIn, hey, how's it going sort of thing. And we, we see through it. We see it through a different lens. Yeah. So we are much, much more reserved. We are, you know, kind of put those walls up and say, all right, you you really have to be convincing in this because I've mean, seen it all clever, before. I mean, you have to be clever, right? You have to be yeah. really clever. Like I get, you know, I don't know about you, but you know, I don't know, dozens of cold emails a day, you know, maybe 10 of them or to, maybe six or seven or to be on the show or whatever. Uh, and I'm just like not cutting it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, there's, there was a time where I was being a real, real a-hole about this. It wasn't, it wasn't very kind of me. Every bad pitch I would email them back and say, I think you need to read my book. That didn't work very well. So, so this is the rule. Like, even though you want to do it, and even though it would be beneficial, don't be that guy. And that was just horrible. I, I don't do it anymore. Um, hey, that's all right. But, but we learned from that experience. And again, when, when you get to a certain point, I feel like sometimes you have that right to be a little bit spicy with other people. <laughs> your, your messaging is crap. Just, hey, I'm sending it back. This is no good. But again, sometimes we need that brutal honesty. Maybe they are going to change their messaging and be a little bit more clever be a little bit more creative in their storytelling. Yeah. And I yeah. think just be a better business. Yeah. I mean, again, you know, the, as I'm going, so, so the outreach one sells well and this other one called story driven decks, which is how to build a pitch deck, which nice. I've seen so many pitch decks and they're so horrible. <laughs> just like uh -huh. I have to do something, but, but those are things people wanted to read. And, and I think and this is the lesson with all, all businesses generally, right? I think you'd probably agree. I'd love your thoughts on this. It's, sell things people want to buy. Yes. Your customers and potential clients will literally tell you what they want out of this. So let's say you submit this proposal and you feel like you're touching on all these points and they get back to you and say, oh, I'm, you know, I really want to make sure that my efforts are separated from what you're going to be doing. You know, like they don't want you touching their business, but they want your help, but they don't want to mess anything up just in case. Or maybe you submit a proposal at a higher price point and they come back and say, I can actually afford this amount. That is literally your opportunity to give them exactly what they want. And they're telling you what that is. What a freaking cheat code that is to have them actually be honest and transparent about what they are looking for, then provide that thing for them. That's literally it. Pro give them what they want. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and I think, you know, again, you hear the, there's always the Steve Jobs, you know, like people don't know what they want. Well, uh, they sort of do, but when you're doing something innovative, they may not. Like, they'll tell you one thing, they really need nothing. Okay, so you have to be a little more creative. But I think what we're talking about, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's like, okay, you're in market, you're selling things, 
you've got an offer, you're go, you have go-to-market strategy. There is gonna, you know, like listen to what people have to say. I'm shocked, beyond shocked sometimes where some of our clients, they don't ask or they don't have case studies or they really don't. I mean, they know kind of, but they don't like, they don't ask the question because either one, they don't want to hear the answer, which is uh-huh. probably true. Or two, they're just like, oh, they, they would never do that. I'm like, wouldn't hurt to ask. Like, right. They right. They feel like they know so much about what they're offering and they feel like it's such a good fit already that how could you say no to this? And we don't have all the answers. We're constantly learning. We're constantly trying to pivot and improve ourselves. That feedback from your clients, whether they're leads and prospects or their customers or you know past customers, they're literally telling you what they want. And if you're providing, you're, you're filling a need and a gap within a market, and if your product or service isn't the right fit, ask for that feedback and make those changes. Yeah. That is going to help you refine your messaging and what your offer is. Well, I think, I think you, you, you said something a little bit before it was pretty interesting about qualification. Mm-hmm. You know, that you, you, you know, you had to think about how am I going to qualify these folks? Takes them three weeks to make a decision. I'm wasting my time. Oh, okay. Well, here's a revelation. Maybe I should make them pre-qualify themselves. So when they're ready, they come see me and I don't have to worry about this because, yes, you know, in the B2B space, as an example, you know, maybe 3% of the people are in market ready to buy. The rest, the other 97% are like, eh, and you don't know which 3%, right? It's a random number generator. Yes. So I think it's just so fascinating that way, you know, like the, and I also like the fact that you guys are bringing like this level of automation and sophistication to brick and mortar businesses that traditionally don't, one, don't think about this and two, don't, they don't get love. No one no one really wants to, you know, help out the plumber. <laughs> I know, right? I know. And it's, and not to make a joke, but I am, it's kind of shitty, yeah. isn't it? That we <laughs> well, and, you know, like there's lots of plumbers that are multimillionaires and I, I appreciate the, the blue collar work ethic. Like, I think more people should have it. I think you should really like, yeah, roll the sleeves up, you know. You know, we're knowledge workers. We sit at a desk all day. Our job is pretty easy. Yes. No, absolutely. I'm, I'm super grateful to be in the, the type of position I am to use my mind in such a creative and, you know, big picture and then taking it down and just all the different ways that we can use our mindset to help improve other entrepreneurs, I think is a great opportunity, both one for us to learn, but to help them be more efficient. If we can take their sales from 1 million to 1.5, that's an extra 500,000 that they didn't have before. And if it's literally a, a smaller piece of the, the larger return on investment that they get, it's a no-brainer for them. And okay. we don't want to leave people out. We don't want to leave people out. We definitely want to help the people that may not be the typical go-to, hey, they need marketing, they need automation assistance. If we can build something out, get a bird's eye view of your process, then we're able to take that and sell that to other companies and make that a lot easier for them as well. For sure. Sure. Well, Chris, thanks so much for your time, man. It's been great to chat. Love what you're doing. I think uh, it's just really neat to like have a, you know, to me, I mean, obviously automation is very important to me. And I just like the fact that you kind of go about it in a way where you like want to help people and figure out how you can be of service to those that need it most. So that's really cool. Appreciate that. Thanks so much, Jari. Really appreciate the conversation. You're, You're a great guy. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate that. Thanks. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com 
to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur, and frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA, and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better.